Rocking and rolling. So here today we have William Harding. Am I saying that right? It's a Harden. H-A-R-D-I-N. I always mess up the names. <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's Harden. H-A-R-D-I-N. And William Harding is a young, uh, aspiring, and and currently active actor, which is very exciting because Chicago has a very interesting uh, film history. And uh, yeah, it's actually haven't had an actor on the podcast yet. So uh, I love to you know see what uh, what what nuggets of perspective we can we can all appreciate from uh from what an actor goes through every day or you know in the grind um so william how long have you been in chicago were you born here where were you born yes i was born in the city of chicago then when i was about i would say 13 years old my parents decided they didn't want to live in the city anymore so they moved me and my brothers and sisters out to uh, indiana i lived out there for just over a decade and then I actually ended up moving back to the city earlier this year in January. Something I've been wanting to do for a couple of years now. It, the only thing COVID did was kind of push it back about six months or so. Okay. And so, yeah, regarding your acting dream, when did that start? Like, how early were you when you started acting? Oh, so truthfully, I think the whole roots of how this got started. I wasn't one of those kids who like did drama club or theater when I was in elementary, middle, high school or any of that. Although I did have teachers, you know, growing up when I was in high school and even in college, it said I was so dramatic. I was like the most dramatic person they'd ever seen in their life. Uh, you should be at movies. You should be trying to do TV shows or whatever. I heard that for like over a decade. I didn't do anything with it until uh, I ended up going to college for business, something completely non-acting related, right? And then after I graduated college, I just remember I was thinking about it, just thinking about all those things people were saying to me. And I was watching TV shows. I started binge watching TV because I felt like I had more time after college. I just got into like a day job. You know, I had to work full time, go to school. And so I was always just really mixed on all the things I had to do. I had a lot of different focuses. But then I get out of college and you know, my one focus was just the day job that I had at the time. Which was what? I worked in retail, retail management for about five or six years. Okay. Would not wish that on anybody. It was not fun. But that's a whole different can of worms. I was watching you know, different shows, and I remember just watching characters and the way that they portray you know, these fictional entities, and I was like, you know what? I could see myself doing that, right? So I was about 22 years old when I had like this epiphany. This is something that I wanted to do. And then even after that epiphany, it still took me about a good three or four years before I actually took the first steps towards like making a career or making something out of this, this idea. So I, I think it was about three years later. So you're talking maybe 2016. Yeah, it was 2016. I ended up walking into, it was like an open call audition at a community theater by my house when I was living in Indiana. I had no training, no experience at all in acting, and I still ended up landing a role. So that's it was in a community theater production. It was a like a play. It was a reenactment, a theater reenactment of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Okay. If you've ever seen that movie. Uh, it's really, really old, from like the 1950s. Yeah, the classic, probably original zombie apocalypse movie. Yeah, and ironically enough, I ended up playing a, a police officer. That was the first acting role. From the get-go, from the start, you were, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Because <laughs> we'll get to that later. But yeah, so, so that's that was exciting. Uh, and did you, okay, so did you continue in theater for a while, or what happened next? So what ended up happening for about, I would say, another six or eight months, you know, that one play went for a couple of months. You know, I did shows and 
when I was doing theater, it is very involved. Anyone who knows anything about you know the way the business works in acting knows that theater in particular is a very it's very time consuming. There's a lot of dedication that theater actors go through day in and day out. Uh, but I was working a full time job at the time, and working in retail, you have swing schedules. You work days, nights, weekends, holidays, and it, there was a lot of conflict that I ended up ha- having. So. I ended up booking a, a role in another theater production later on. It was like early the next year in 2017. And because my work schedule was so hectic, I ended up having to miss, you know, a few different rehearsals. And then it came down to one point where I had to miss about two or three days of tech week. Now, for anybody who doesn't know much about theater, tech week is like the week leading up to the opening performances of a theater production. And they run every single night. So, like, if the show starts on a Friday night, the very first performance, starting, like, Sunday or Monday, they will run the show full speed, full costumes, full lights and sounds, everything. They run it every single night as practice so that everybody, you know, gets all the bells and whistles, everything set up, moving the way it's supposed to go, like one machine. So, uh, it's a very vital part of, like, the whole theater process. And... Needless to say, when I tried to tell the director that, hey, I, uh, because of work, you know, I got to work, right? It was a completely different time. I was a different actor back then. So I had different priorities. I told him I had to work. I wasn't going to be able to make it to like th- two or three different days of tech week. Thinking like, okay, he'll work with me, right? Yeah. Yeah, they humbled me so fast. They, uh, they recast me, which is the actor equivalent of being fired. Like, hey, you know, we're going to have someone else coming to do this. Someone who can show up to rehearsal. So that was back in 2017. Oh, that's recent. So uh, I guess if you want the next step, I ended up going about, I took about a one or two year hiatus from acting. It was about almost two years I took a hiatus from acting. And it, it was actually in like early 2019. I finally got my life to a position where I could have more flexibility to be able to go out and land acting roles, audition for stuff, and, you know, be at rehearsals, be at shoot dates. So since then, my life has been a lot more flexible. And kind of going forward, that's the way that I want to keep it. So I don't have to experience that again because it's not, you know, being recast as an actor is always, is never fun. It's actually happened to me uh, three times since I've been acting. And for various reasons, but the first time, for sure, was, it was my fault. It was a mistake that I made thinking that I could juggle, get the best of both worlds, and I couldn't. So what are you doing now? Are, are you are you li- are you living off the the actor salary of things, or do you still have income from other things? Yeah, so I have multiple sto- uh, streams of income. Uh, I think uh, almost every actor that you talk to has multiple streams of income because it's very difficult. You would say maybe ninety five percent of the actors that you meet are not they don't have self sustaining acting careers. And it depends on where you're at, too. Uh, you know, in Chicago, you know, in Chicago, the acting scene is very vibrant. There's a lot of different diversity. There's a lot of projects, different projects that you could do in the city. But there's just simply not enough work that any one actor can consistently book stuff and live off of the money that you can make. I mean, you can get some really good paid acting gigs, but it's never guaranteed. And they're always few and far between just because of the nature of the business and what you have to do just to book work. So, yeah, I ended up moving to Chicago. I got a, a part-time job, actually, in financial services. So that's one of the streams of income that I have. 
you know, I have like investment income and then obviously the income that I make from working as an actor. Okay. And so did you ever go chasing the dream in LA? Did you ever try, you know, doing it in LA? It's funny that you should mention that. So it's, if you were to ask me, like, what do I see myself in five years? Uh, LA is definitely the place that I would like to be. I know that, you know, living in Indiana, you know, it's an all right scenario and all right setting, but there's not a whole lot out there. When I first started acting, at least on camera, I was driving to Chicago from Indiana to go audition, to be on set, to do you know this and that, all these different tasks. But you try to tell someone out there that, hey, I'm an actor, they don't really know what that means. They're like, so you're in movies and stuff, do you make a living off of this? So the next logical step was to come up here, to actually be where everything is at, so it's convenient for me to go out and do this, to actually make acting feasible. But overall, being an actor in Chicago, there's always a threshold that you're going to reach. You know, there's only so much you can do here just because there's only so much work, depending on what you want to do. Uh, there's just more work in the bigger markets like LA or New York, especially if you want to be in television, film, theater. Theater is probably more vibrant in Chicago than it is in LA. But if you go to New York, it's a different story because New York has Broadway. Right, right, right. So, um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Chicago does actually have a history, right? So we can talk about that maybe. So I did a little reading up on it. My preparation for today was just like reading about the Chicago uh, history of film here. So actually in the 1900s, it, in the start of the 1900s, we had uh, the most theaters in the whole US per capita in terms of, uh, they called them Nickelodeons. Uh, people would go in and um, basically, uh, they were sh kind of short film type uh, stuff, um, but uh, there was there was uh, basically uh, Charlie Chaplin started out here, um, and so um, basically there was there was it was much bigger. It started here basically, and then what happened was there was these patent fights where uh, all the independent film directors and companies who didn't want to pay to use the projector or whatever um, or or whatever was patented that was really important. Um, they basically we kind of escaped jurisdiction just by going to to LA because basically back then it wasn't as easy you know basically patent laws and stuff like it was it was you know it was a different world back then there was no internet so it wasn't it wasn't as easy to for for you know jurisdiction to cover all parts of the US so they escaped to LA and that's history but it's kind of interesting that uh, Chicago was actually the start of film um, and reason being um, well, there was a couple, a couple big film studios here. Do you know what one of them was? Um, it's escaping my, you know. But I know uh, the the biggest major film studio that we have now is Cinespace. Cinespace. Cinespace, Cinespace that's is new. Yeah. Cinespace is still around. Oh yeah, they do all kinds of different projects there. And I want to say that they're actually, as of right now, the second largest film studio in the country. I think there's one that's in LA that's bigger, but Cinespace is number two. Right. And there's a lot of big shows, a lot of big movies. Uh, like the one Chicago shows, like Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, they're filmed on location out of studios there at Cinespace. They also film on location out in various parts of Chicago. But yeah, there's a lot of big movies, projects that have been done. Um, iconic stuff, like you go as far back as like the 70s, there was the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Blues Brothers is an iconic one. 2000s, you had like Batman The Dark Knight. Uh, in the last decade, they had the television show Shameless, which 
I was actually just talking about some this with someone the other day who thought that Shameless in its entirety was filmed in Chicago when in reality it was kind of half and half. They had like the outdoor scenes or a lot of the scenes that actually had to show Chicago. The outdoor scenes were filmed in Chicago, but there was a lot of indoor scenes, scenes that could be fabricated that were filmed on like a studio back lot in LA. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was called SNA Studios, one of the first ones. Not important, but anyhow, yeah. Uh, lately, it's Cinespace, that's the big one. Um, one reason that there's been a revival, um, I did see that there was a 30% tax break, I think, that Illinois gave uh, film production studios. So um, that was huge, and that was kind of like a big, a big uh, critical point for more, more spending money here in, in Illinois um, on, on film. I think that's definitely a big part of it, because depending on where you go, I mean, obviously, if you want to make movies in L.A., there's a lot to do out there, but it's also very expensive. Like, cost of living in California is astronomical, and it's the same to be said of New York. Uh, Georgia, especially in Atlanta, in the last decade has picked up, they've gained a lot of momentum, a lot of projects being filmed down there for a lot of different reasons, but one of the biggest ones is that the cost of living and the cost of doing business and the cost of making a movie down there is dramatically less than filming it in like New York, LA, or even Chicago. So it is nice to see that Chicago is trying to stay competitive and drawing talents, producers, productions, and films, filmmaking in general to the city. And I think it's only going to get better as the years go on in the next couple of years. I mean, we lost a lot of momentum from COVID and I think it's going to, it kind of built up into like a balloon that's ultimately going to pop at one point, there's just going to be a lot of stuff you're going to see being done here in the city in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's also some TV shows like Chicago PD or, or the Chicago. Um, there's like a whole series of Chicago. Chicago Med, PD, yeah. Fire, and I believe they had Chicago Justice for a while. I don't think that is airing anymore. Right. So one other thing uh, William and I did when I was researching was, uh, no, I did check out your Instagram, checked out your highlight reel. So... I guess for an actor, there's first step is like, okay, you got to have a mugshot or whatever, send it out for, you know, getting just even auditions. And then, then it's all about, right, like building your highlight reel of like you on, on film and, and what have you done. And, and usually as a starting out actor, you're getting small roles. So, you know, you can send something, you basically all your, your, all your acting to date and that you've ever done on like a real film is like five minutes long. So you can send that around and show people like what you've done so yeah i did uh, check that out thank you there's a few different uh keynotes i like to point out about that uh, i guess starting out one of the first things you do need as an actor is uh, your headshots they're called professionally done headshots and there's you know a whole bunch of different headshot photographers that could do headshots in the city um i got mine probably about a year and a half ago and you, know, you have to update them every so often because I mean obviously physically you change you get older you might do something with your hair uh, something might happen you know physically with your body you know if you get a new tattoo or something that changes about your face from like your body from the shoulder up that's typically a good time to get headshots but it's like your calling card it's the first thing that like a casting director or an agent sees and that's one of your biggest marketing tools and that's kind of what I went off of for the longest time I had my headshots and then I immediately made my actor's resume which also shows the credits that you've done theater film what training you've taken which also as an actor is equally important I mean all actors regardless of how talented you are or think you are there's always the training element there's always something you could learn 
or to do something to get better. And I have taken acting classes in a couple of different schools here in Chicago as well. Okay. Nice. And as far as the uh, the demo reel that you were mentioning goes, uh, typically it's not five minutes. It's about it, give or take two, around two. You want to try to put your best foot forward. And it's not always all the projects that you've done, but the projects that are the most prominent, the stuff that you're the most proud of, the stuff that you want to represent you as an actor. And anybody who watches my demo reel, it has three different projects that I did, which by the way, were all filmed in 2020. Oh yeah. Which I think is impressive. Though. Definitely a big speaking point because there was a lot of the industry, a lot of actors last year didn't even work. They didn't do anything because of, you know, the threats of COVID. Right. And I was still just grinding every day. Like I worked very hard just to be able to get to a point in my life where I could act and, you know, COVID or not, I still wanted to keep doing this. And there were some opportunities for a good portion of 2020, but you had to work double hard just to get them. Yeah. So the mugsh- the the headshot thing, are you like, do you like make faces? Like, do you make a happy face, sad face? Scared? Like, do you like make a bunch of different faces or like you just, what is there a best face to put forward? Like your smiling face? Like what? Uh, yeah. So the smile that you're referring to, I guess would be called a commercial headshot where you smile and you show your teeth. Uh, that's basically just what it is a good way to put your best foot forward. Like it makes you seem approachable as an actor. And then it's also something that this is a commercial face, like the kind of person that you would want to have on commercials. Now actors, when they go to book commercials, you want to seem as positive and upbeat as possible because what are you doing in a commercial? You're trying to sell a product. Mm. Nobody wants to buy a product from somebody that's, you know, negative, has a negative connotation about them. That's why, you know, for commercial headshots, you're very happy and upbeat. Yeah. But you, people. when you're going for like a, a, a role that you want, that maybe say you're a police officer, like that's one that you think you can get. Uh-huh. Are you putting a, ha- a smiling face forward or are you putting like a stern police face forward? So kind of, uh, let me kind of rewind that a little bit. Uh, I have you know, three headshots. You know, when you go to any like major headshot photographer, they'll take... 50 or a hundred different pictures of you, you know, and they kind of give you direction. That's a whole different process in and of itself. But once you get all these different pictures, you have to kind of figure out, you know, two or three different looks that, you know, what do you want to represent you? Obviously you want to have one of you smiling, but you want to have one of you, you know, very serious. And then maybe one that's like a combination of both or something that shows you in a different light. But when you go to like submit yourself for different projects, it also depends. Sometimes they only want you to send one headshot. Sometimes they allow you to send multiple. Uh, and again, I have three that I use. So if they want me to send multiple, I'll send them two or three. But if they want one, uh, you want to tailor it to the role that you're going for. So if you if you think it's a serious role, send a serious headshot. If you think it's a positive, upbeat role, send your positive headshot. And there's also other things you send them to, like you know, your resume and your demo reel. All right. Yeah, get a little class here going for uh, aspiring actors. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, uh, I also want to talk about, so yeah, basically most of your roles, let's just say it, and, and you kind of laugh about it, but that's fine. It's like, it is what it is. Like you you were cast and you were cast from the very get-go as a police officer. And so I think this is actually really cool because there's a lot of police officer roles in film. Like people love crime shows and even your average movie usually has like one police role in it or at least like so it's actually a huge huge industry or it's a huge uh genre of acting is just being a police officer so you could make a whole living as an actor even just being a really good police actor right are there any 
Like, do you have any role models with any big police actors out there in Hollywood? So here's the thing, like, I wouldn't say police acting is really, like, <laughs> a thing. It's, it's like a typecast. It's like the kind of role that everybody's got that thing they could play convincingly. So those are the kind of roles that they always go for. Um, you know, I don't know of any, like, actor that I would pick off the top of my head that, like, oh, he's always a cop in movies and he's my favorite. Yeah, I do have, like, a handful of actors that I really, like, admire or look up to just because of what they've done. Like who? So a guy would have a top five, right? Um, first and foremost, I would say Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, he's the GOAT. I mean, he really is. He's done more films. He's been part of more, like, major franchises than people really realize. I mean, there's the Avengers. He was in Star Wars. He was in uh, the Die Hard franchise. He's only in one of them, but... Uh, then all these other movies that people still talk about today, like Pulp Fiction. Uh, Brad Pitt is another one. I just love the way he acts. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has done so many different roles. I mean, there's so much range there. When we talk about range, you see something that's, you know, an actor who could be funny, an actor who could be serious, an actor who could play a soldier. Uh, that's what Tom Hanks has done. He's been a soldier. He's been like the voice of Woody in Toy Story. Mm -hmm. He's been all these different, dramatically different roles. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is another one. And uh, Denzel Washington. Those are like my top five. Just because if you ever watch them, they're just, they're, they have the it They're great. They're great. Those are like great. Those are like my favorite too. Like I think those are just like some of the top five of all time right there. Yeah. So you gotta watch the greats if you want to be great. You know, that's one of the keys. That's definitely another thing too. If you want to be, I don't know, successful. I mean, those... The actors who are making millions of dollars or even making a living off of this, you know, they are, they serve as good examples of like what you should do if you want to work. I mean, you've got to look like them. you got to act like them, literally. Do, do you like wake up and then in like Alexa plays like different, like <laughs> different, different, no. different movie snippets? <laughs> no, just watch. Oh, Alexa. Oh. Stop. <laughs> Oh my God, God, Bezos, calm down. <laughs> anyway, what were you we saying? Yeah, no, they, they love to intrude on our life. Yeah, so anyways, you gotta surround yourself with these. So how, how much TV do you watch? You rewatch these favorite actors in movies? I mean, you've probably seen all of their stuff. A lot of their stuff, I mean, I don't think it, I don't have that much time to be able to sit right, down and just right, watch. Right. I mean, just everything, everything that, every show that I watch, that I consume, I mean, there's countless, different ways to watch and consume material now. I mean, there's Netflix and all these different streaming platforms that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. And even if you aren't like in the top five, like we just talked about, there's all these different roles that you could watch and all these different projects and stories that are being told that I just love watching the acting and seeing what, it, what is it that these people do, you know, to tell the story and make it believable, make it good, make it worth watching. Like I'm watching it. Millions of other people are probably watching it, and what what makes it that? So what what does make it that? If you had to like synthesize it, uh, for believable acting, you know, there's like a technical aspect to it, which I probably won't talk too much about. I mean, there's a whole different way you got to move and just think when you're in front of a camera that a lot of people don't realize. It's it's completely different from theater in and of itself. There's a lot of finesse. There's a lot of uh, being subtle in the way that you move and what you do. It's not even just like the words that you say or the facial expressions. When you're acting on camera, everything that you do and say needs to be choreographed. Uh, not just for 
believability, but also for continuity purposes. Because when they film movies, they don't just do it in one continuous take, right? They do the same scene over and over again. They film it 10, 100 different whatever times from all these different angles. And you got to remember, like, you know, I, I go to say this sentence or this line and I move my hand at this time. You got to remember that because when they go to film it from all these different directions, you know, it can mess up in the editing phase if you do it, if it, it throws everything off balance, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So definitely the believability comes from, you know, having the continuity and I feel like just making it feel natural. You have to really know and understand the character that you're playing as it pertains to the real world and just I always ask myself when I act you know if this was a real world scenario what would it look and sound like and then just try to replicate that as much as you can try to feel or think the way that character would think do you do anything like take like take home the character with you like while you're shooting like that week like kind of act like them uh <laughs> I was never a big fan of that uh it's honestly just really thinking about again just the natural element of it uh, I'm a big fan of, of reading the script many, many times, as many times as it takes for, not only for you to be memorized, but for it to feel natural when you say it. And not just my lines, not just what I'm doing, but like what everyone else in the scene is doing too. You know, scripts are like, I call them mini movies. They tell stories, but just on a smaller scale and you piece them together, then you have a movie, right? That's what the scene is about. All these different people, all these different actors, they come together, even if you're by yourself, you know, you do your thing to make the scene, to tell the story of what's happening in this point in time. So when, you know, you read a script, when I read a script, you have to just know everything that's going on because it's not just what you're doing, what they're doing might also affect you. You know, you got to react to like, oh, that person just said something. That person just did something. And so how does that make you feel? Does that change the way you feel? Mm. Does that change the way you think? You know, are you going to react to that? Like, oh, somebody just got shot. Are you going to jump? Are you going to run? Are you going to be yeah. Like, oh. yeah, there's a lot of space. It always amazes me how much space there is for uh, expression, even within the lines for acting. You know, I, I took some acting classes in uh, San Francisco. Um, but, yeah, I, one reason I never aspired to acting is it's just, like, so much work, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, to, to memor my, my memory, I'd rather not repeat, repeat, repeat lines. Are there any actors who are just, like, just like just get it right away and like don't have to work hard <laughs> uh probably not not ones that are <laughs> i wouldn't say so if not successful actors no i mean you could wing it every time uh you're probably not going to give a, a, an outstanding performance you're not going to give the you're director piss off the director basically right? yeah because that's another thing like you could think you're amazing <laughs> you could think that you i mean you could have an idea in your head of how you want the scene to look but at the end of the day it's not your movie yeah. you know you're just a guest at this person's party, you know, and you come in here and you're making the movie and you're running through your lines and running through your scene and, you know, the director, whoever may want to see it differently. So you also have to be adaptable too. That's another big part of being an actor is being adaptable. And so another element of really making successful acting performances is having multiple different run throughs in your head. Like every time I go through, and I take a role and I'm going through the lines and kind of breaking down the character, I think of multiple different ways that this scene can be done, at least on my end. Just, you know, can you say a word just a little bit differently? Can you move or do this action at a different time? And again, those little changes, like I mentioned before, they have dramatic impacts on the scene and the way that everything is filmed. 
So, you know, still keeping in mind with continuity, but if you ever are asked to, like, I want to see it this way. The director says, I want to see, do you do it like this? Always have, like, alternate ways of playing a mm. scene in your mind. I always go out there with at least two or three different, like, playthroughs in my mind of, yeah. every, of like, every scene. And, again, it is hard work, like, memorizing it and then, like, knowing, like, I want to do this playthrough, so it's going to look and sound like this. And I want to do this playthrough, and it's going to look and sound like that. And then they might want you to do something completely different. So you got to be on the fly, just ready to go and adaptable. So isn't it a little frustrating if you get a director who's not open at all to your your improvisation or, or expression of different ways it could be done? I wouldn't say it's frustrating. No, it's just it is part of the part of the job, uh, part of the gig. It's part of just being an actor. is It's our job to be open to different interpretations of a role. You know, and I've had every you know every director i've worked with i give them something and they say okay you know i like that it looks good but i want to see more of this element or more of that element you know and there are directors out there that will say like oh that was terrible i want to see you know it's some directors are a little more lenient than others you know and that's just the way of the world nobody no two people are the same everybody's got different opinions on what they want but at the end of the day just adaptability is also key is there a best way to suggest something to a director like before the shoot during the shoot like is there have you like figured out a way to like kind of smooth it yeah i mean <laughs> so in terms of like what the way the seat in uh, terms of suggesting hey i think this scene could go a little different like is there a best yeah. time to like propose that i mean if you're out there working i mean everyone's out with just the, be vocal, in, right? in between takes i mean it's just called a suggestion a suggestion for talent like i have a suggestion for talent like i think when we do this you know, this should happen, right? And the director can take it under advisement. The director might do it. I mean, it's not something that they always do, though. Right. They're like, nah, I want to see it like this. So this is the way I had it in my head, so this is the way you're going to do it. And at the end of the day, like I said, we're just a guest at someone else's party, so... Right, right, that's what it is. So I guess actors tend to develop kind of like a, uh, a reputation for, for being more difficult than others. Some probably follow all the lines, everything. Some obviously have their own ideas about things. But I think, you know, right? Uh, so it, it, what you're asking is, you know, are there some actors that think they're too good for the script? They, or or just too like... too good to take direction? Yeah. Well, it, have ideas. Like, yeah. it's okay to have ideas? Oh, yeah. It's always, it's always so a good idea. Yeah, it's great to have ideas. You know, when you're on set, you know, you are taking direction from a director. But inherently, it is a very collaborative environment. Because you, know, you rely on like the director to kind of keep everything coordinated. You rely on the camera crews and everything to kind of make you look good. Because again, without like your your crew, the people that you know run the sound and the cameras and everything behind the scene, scenes, you could be the best actor in the world, but you could still look like crap in a movie if they're not doing what they need to do. Mm. But on the flip side of that coin, they rely on you and your talents to kind of bring the story to life by just playing through the character. But again, it's, there's nothing wrong with having ideas. You know, you voice the ideas, and at that point, all they are really is suggestions. Unless you're like a producer or a director, all they are is suggestions. Yeah. You're not able to like demand anything, unless you're like a you know a celebrity. I'm sure there's a lot of celebrity actors that are able to demand and get whatever they want just because of who they are. But you know, for a vast majority of actors, just think of it as a collaborative environment. But you're still there getting direction from a director. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it takes a lot of good humility to be a, to be a good actor, especially starting out. Um, but it's a uh, yeah, it's quite thrilling to see yourself in the in the end. 
Um, so regarding where you are in acting right now, I think uh, one cool question is just like, what's what's one of the coolest pieces of like constructive criticism that you got that you've like kind of tailored to your acting style that you've adjusted? You know, I haven't ever really gotten like the biggest, like any significant uh, piece of criticism tailored specifically to me. I mean, I've always gotten direction, you know, like scene by scene, role by role, like, hey, do this differently, do that differently. I think just the biggest piece of advice I ever got as an actor in terms of like my career was that, and this is something that I've heard many, many people say, but it kind of sticks to me at heart. Uh, if you could see yourself doing anything else in the world and being happy, go do that thing. <laughs> Don't act. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, because this business in general, it's very competitive. Uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to do some of these projects, but at the end of the day, it's a business. A lot like every other business, but it's a very there's a lot of competitive elements to it. But, I mean, basically the biggest piece of advice, maybe not criticism, but advice, was just don't take anything personally. Uh, love every minute of it. Do what you do. And, you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Do the directors give, like, little, like, personalized notes to the actors at the end of, hey, you were great, you could do it. Like, do they ever, like, it's like an acting teacher or something? Do, do they still coach you guys? Like, or, or, like Yes, I mean, ever, in between, like, every take, if there's something right, they right. want differently done. And, again, it's that's the whole don't take anything personally. It's, yeah. it's, it's business, and this is, they have a vision of what they want to see. Even if it's not your vision, it's still your job to kind of, make that their vision come true a reality you know just visualize it on screen right so yeah they'll do they'll take notes in between every every take even if it's not on paper they'll still walk up and say like hey do this differently do that differently and even if it's not like it could be nine you know sometimes it's not even what something you did wrong it's they want to see what it looks like 10 different ways you know i saw you do it this way but i also want to see you do it that way and that way and that way and then later on they can go through and they pick through all these takes like you know you record it on a camera so you have all these takes on a camera and when they go through and edit the movie they could just they have this whole like a deck of cards they pick out their favorite card mm. uh, what looks the best what do they like the most and that's they cut it all together and that's what they make the movie off of damn that just takes immense patience to just like to retake and retake and retake the same scenes like oh yeah it's just like I can't even imagine doing that so yeah you gotta love you gotta you got to be in that situation and have zero like, like tension, anxiety of like, oh, I, this sucks. Like, like I don't want to keep doing this anymore. Like, if that happens to you, you probably shouldn't be in acting, right? You should be excited for the next chance to act again every time, right? I mean, that, that's probably the key, right? It's just to carry that joy into every take. Uh, yeah, and the reality of it is, you know, a lot of actors we audition more than we work, so every chance we get to actually work you know, on our craft is it's a gift that's the way you should look at it is it's a gift uh, it's a privilege and yeah again if you love what you do it doesn't feel like work you're just you're being creative that's what it is you're sitting there in front of a camera and again to a certain extent also on stage if you're in theater but there's differences in those but yeah if you're sitting on set you know you have cameras pointed at you and you're doing these different things whatever they are and you're embodying someone else and if you enjoy that then yeah it doesn't matter how many times you do it you know i've been on sets where i'm freezing you're not always going to be comfortable i've been freezing cold i've been hungry 
I've been tired because you know you film day night. Uh, it doesn't always fit in with your schedule in terms of like how you sleep or how you live your life, but it's part of the part of the job. You know, you still have to kind of like train your mind and your body to really just be able to perform. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Do you guys at least like? Do you guys usually go? Does the crews go out together and like have fun, or is everyone super serious usually with like acting crews? Yeah, it depends. I mean, again, it varies uh, by project, what you work on, who you're working with. Do you know these people? If you don't, I mean, it can be very impersonal. Just you go right down to business. If it's someone that you've worked with in the past, someone that you know on a personal level. Uh, I know that working on a set, they have like a whole schedule of what is supposed to be filmed and when. And the time crunch is very, very, there's very little margin for downtime of not being able to stay on schedule mm-hmm. and they, they try to adhere to that as much as possible. So there's chit chat here, chit chat there, uh, depending on, you know, you might not even have a scene right now with this person. You know, all these actors are on set and they only need like two a year for the next hour or so. So the other actors are, you know, in some room somewhere they're having snacks, they're talking. Those are pretty nice to be able to, that's where you'd like a network with a lot of people is, you know, on the downtime that you have on set. If you're not expected to be constantly filming, cause it, it varies. Like I said, project to project, you know, if you have like a leading role, you're going to be out there in front of the camera, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. If you have, if you're like a day player, you have a very small part, you know, but you're in and out for the movie. Like you show up, you say one line and then they need to film a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you come back some other day or some other time of the day, you know, you could just be, it's hurry up and wait. You just sit around and talk to either talk to people or go over your lines or just have a lot of downtime in between those takes yeah is that maybe like a secret is to like just network your way into your next role by i don't know like for example you you know you played you've you've had some roles you have a demo reel what do you think is like the next step for you to kind of maybe get something different than a cop but also maybe you know besides going to la and starting to 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 kind of um audition over there is there is there anything else that you think uh is like the next step for you to really you know, expand. The next major stuff for me definitely would be to, to join SAG, Screen Actors Guild, the union. Uh, that's always a big, uh, I would say, milestone for any actor. And it happens at different points in every actor's career. So you have to get voted in or you apply or like, what is a Screen Actors Guild? It's just a union. Uh, it's a union that kind of protects actors to make sure they have favorable set conditions. Uh, so they're not, you know, always placed in harm's way if they ever have to do something dangerous. Uh, it also protects their, like any other union, it protects their wages and their benefits. Uh, and again, uh, so they call it SAG, like a SAG project is, you know, a project that is subject to the rules of you know, the Screen Actors Guild, the union. And not every project that you get is like that. You know, there's a lot of, a good vast majority of projects that you see, especially independents, are non-union. And if you ever look at casting calls, it'll be union or non-union. Sometimes they're looking for union actors, sometimes they're not looking for union actors. Uh, but again, it's just a whole different set of rules, but yeah, if you're in the union, you're guaranteed like union rates of pay for, for acting work. So again, it's a milestone. It's just another step up, uh, a lot, it would allow me to potentially get higher paying acting roles and, you know, more exposure. That's basically, so how do you get into it? Uh, there's a couple different ways that you can get into it. Uh, you know, you have to be, I guess you could say there's like a backdoor that you could use to get into it where you get booked on a SAG project or a union project without actually being 
in the union. And if you do that a couple of times, you are essentially forced to join the union. And like with any other union, there's dues that you have to pay as well as like fees. And I think for Chicago, it's like, I want to say it's $1,800 if you to join the union, like the initiation fee in Chicago. And if you're in LA, it's like three grand. So it's something to definitely have money saved up for. But that's one of the, the more prominent ways if you if you book uh, like a SAG role, which, you know, union or non-union, if it's a union role or a union project, anybody's open to like submit to it. And obviously they show favoritism or preference to the actors that are already union. But another thing about this business is that there's always, you know, there's uncertainty. Anything can anything can happen in this business at any given time. You never know what you're going to book. You never know what they're looking for when they're casting for something. You might think you're perfect for it, but they might not feel the same way. Mm. So what would be like a dream role for you? Are you allowed to dream like that? Do you have like a, you see yourself maybe being like a, like a, like a judge or like a, Maybe like an investigator, like what would be like a dream role for you? So let me start off by saying like, I never actually wanted to be typecast as a police officer. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be a cop when I was a kid, but then like as I got older, I just kind of got away from it. I thought I'd be an attorney for a couple of years, but that's something that kind of just like settled. The legal field is so saturated right now, but we won't talk about that. But... Yeah, no, it's not one of those things where, like, oh, I play as a, a beat cop in a movie. Now I'm going to get a promotion and play as, like, a detective in another <laughs> movie. I mean, I, it's not even just cop roles that I've played. Like, that's the most prominent thing. I mean, dare I say it's probably a typecast that I've developed, even though I never really asked for it. It just happens. But, I mean, I've played comedic roles, too. Like, I love playing comedic roles. Yeah. I've actually played as, you know, a comedic cop role. You mix the two. But I definitely want to keep doing more... Bigger and better just comedic roles in films. Yeah, so comedy. Um, so, hey, but as a comedian, again, no, I, I guess comedy is so broad you could be doing anything, right? Like, say, say you were like Ryan, you were um, kind of like Fifty First Dates. Like, I, I don't even know like what, but then that's like a lot of times comedy is just, there's a lot of romantic comedy, which is like a whole other genre. Uh, and then there's just like the whole like Step Brothers kind of comedy, right? Like kind of like stupid, funny, like Will Ferrell stuff. There's all kinds do, of do stuff. You like, do you like that genre too? I love stupid funny. I love raunchy kinds of funny. Uh, just all kinds of just everything funny. I don't know why. That's uh, kind of something that people have come to expect from me is I can take almost any role that I play and I can make it funny, whether it's appropriate or not. I mean, that's a different story. You know, if you're in a dramatic movie, if your character's supposed to be dramatic, there's really no room for it to be funny. I mean, I could do it. It's like something that I really kind of take pride in being able to do is just making any character that I play funny. But, you know, that's not always what, what they're looking for. So it's something to have in your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny that you, like your childhood dream ended up being what you got cast for. Because that's, you know, it sometimes can be telling what, what you want, what you aspire to be as a kid. Um, but, uh, no, I think... There's a lot of possibilities for each person, um, but at the same time, definitely, we kind of fall into some some roles in life that we're just like, kind of like, just like kind of meant for, you know, like, in terms of like what we, like, I don't know, you're probably not ready yet to like play a dad, right? You're not old enough to play a dad in like a, in a movie or something. So would, for example, that's like out the table right now, but like, someday. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would prefer to not play a dad just yet. There's another thing with actors, uh, every actor, is supposed to have like a playable age range and that also varies depending on who you ask 
Uh, some people say like five years. Some people say ten years. Uh, you know, right now I comfortably think that my playable age range as an actor is between twenty and thirty. You know, I I don't look like I'm in my thirties just yet. I don't look old enough to be like a dad, unless I grow out a beard, which in some roles I have grown out a beard, and it does add a couple of years to my face. But if I go baby faced, yeah, there's no reason for me to not be able to play like some twenty something, whatever I'm doing. But then there's some actors who get ridiculous and try to say that their age range is like 25 to 45 or something like that. Now those are two completely different yeah. looking people. You know, you have a 45 year old is going to look dramatically different than a 25 year old. Yeah. They're just kind of full of themselves. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You're, well, you're not going to fool, you know, a casting director. You're not going to fool your agent. You know, they, they have an idea of like how old you look, how old you are, which, you know, those can be two different things, but you're only looking at a time span of maybe five, maybe ten years of a range that you could play in terms of characters. Yeah. Cool, man. Wow, we learned a lot about the, the world of an actor. And uh, so let's let's close it down with some Chicago talk. So, yeah, amazing that you found roles even during COVID. Was it, I mean, there was just still sets like happening like i'm kind of amazed about that because i know i thought the film industry kind of shut down a bit so i guess kind of talking about the way 2020 went down in in this area in the midwest in general so you know when 2020 first kicked off before covid so like january february i was still living out in indiana and for january and february i was driving to chicago for auditions you know that was a kind of a pain in and of itself yeah because you drive like an hour and a half you're in an audition for like five minutes. Okay, bye. <laughs> drive an hour and a half back. Or maybe drive to your next audition if you could get two or three in a day if you ever got that lucky. Uh, co- I ended up getting cast in a few different things. So the first couple of months, I ended up getting cast in a few different projects. Uh, needless to say, they either got postponed or completely went out the window when COVID hit, which was in March, you know, when it came full circle. So for the whole month of March and the whole month of April, I did basically nothing for those two months, right? Uh, May rolls around. I think it was the first like phase of Chicago starting to reopen in May of 2020. They started laxing some of the restrictions. And so some sets, some independents started uh, filming again. And there was a lot of restrictions. I mean, you're talking masks. You're talking social distancing, which that also, even the biggest projects, you know, stuff that's filmed that like, Cinespace, stuff that's filmed it, and the big movie sets, the union projects, whatever, that also changed the way that those projects would be written, performed, uh, and produced. Because they, because of social distancing, they had to limit the number of actors and crew, cast and crew that would mm. be on set. So a writer started writing characters out of shows. Mm. You know, like, oh, this scene wants it, it's supposed to take place in like a crowded theater or something where there's like hundreds of people. But they can't do that during COVID. So they, like, they rewrite it to where it's like, someone's living room where there's like no more than two or three actors it's like minari yeah so like yeah a lot of the movies that came out last year were just so so boring <laughs> it was no, not boring i mean they're supposed to be deep and touch human emotion and it's important yeah. to practice empathy but definitely they were slow um <laughs> it was there was an element to it and it, it showed in some of the projects that came out which is how they had to rewrite things so yeah i started and then stuff started opening back up uh there were projects, not as nowhere near as much as you know the summer of 2019, but the summer of 2020, you know when Chicago started laxing, some of the restrictions, people could start going back to set. So I started auditioning, even more than before. I'm like as much as I could, trying to get out there, 
trying to get my face out there because I was really trying to make a name for myself at the time, and I still am. Uh, but the biggest, I think, game changer for 2020, the way people got around the whole casting process and making movies and casting actors in these movies, in 2020 was uh, the advent of Zoom mm. or like uh, video conferencing in general just exploded in terms of how to cast an actor because, you know, obviously now, you know, with the pandemic, all the casting offices, they used to have physical location. They still do have physical locations, but, you know, they were closed back then and they used to have actors come in and audition there in person. Well, then now they're closed. They can't do that. So now what are they doing? Everybody's working from home and they're casting through Zoom. They're casting through uh, WebEx, they're casting through uh, Ecocast, they're casting through all these different platforms that they have for video conferencing. So that restructured the way that actors had to audition. Now, it was a whole different skill set that we had to learn. Because before you used to have to walk into an audition room and know how to like, you know, behave in front of a camera like you went on a movie set and there was audition etiquette. Like, what do you do in the room? What do you do before and after an audition or whatever? You're supposed to bring in headshots, the way that you behave in general. Kind of like you would a job interview. Slightly different set of rules, but the concept applies. But now it's everybody's got to get like a tripod, a tripod, a ring light, you know, these vlogging kits, these microphones. <laughs> Everybody has to be like, not just talented actors. Everybody's expected to be masters of you know, video editing and conferencing <laughs> and technology using our phones or whatever cameras we have in our homes to audition for people on the internet or film self tapes. You know, if it's not virtually auditioning for someone in real time, like they'll send you a script digitally and you you just, you record it, you have someone read for you and you film the scene on your own time. And then you send them the file Uh. and shows it. So those two things, uh, video conferencing and self tapes really exploded. And that really changed the industry. And I think that's a very lasting effect that we're going to see, Probably oh, yeah, indefinitely. they're still casting people like that? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's... I filmed three self-tapes yesterday, actually. Oh, you think this is going to be like, continue like this? Because there's benefits to it, though, that people didn't realize before. I mean, self-tapes have been around probably since, like, the 70s or 80s. I mean, you used to have to... In the 80s, you would film... You have to have, like, professional film equipment, but you had to put yourself on a, a VHS tape for a self-tape. And you used to put that shit in the mail. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you used to put that in the mail... And hope that it didn't get lost in the mail and hope that whoever's casting actually watches your VCR self-tape. It's so much easier now. But now, if you wherever in the world that you're making a project with self-tapes, you could see talent from all over the world because it's all digital. You don't have to have you know, people coming in, flying in from a different city or driving all the way across town to come to a casting office to like be seen. So it's more competitive now. Um Yes and no. Like, it is more competitive in the sense that more people can be seen. But if you flip the script on that, you can be seen for more projects now right, in right. different countries, different states, places that you wouldn't otherwise be able to be seen because geographically there are restrictions. Obviously, they're going to, and they already are, going back to the physical casting locations. Like, they're already calling actors into physical locations. I've been on a few physical auditions this year already, but. I think I'm at 46 or 47 auditions so far this year, and like 90% of them have been through video conferencing or through self-tapes. Definitely enables a director who maybe is not in Hollywood or is somewhere in a a city 
they have a dream, maybe they have funding, but they don't necessarily, they want to maybe draw in talent from around the country. Um, the fact that these actors have learned how to do these self-tapes and, and, and cast their Zoom. Now, someone, say, in Baltimore who has a dream to do a, a film or a TV show can source talent from L.A., New York, different places. Uh, so it definitely enables directors. And then, same on the flip side, definitely enables actors who are willing to search and work hard and hustle. And I think definitely it, it, it makes it more important than ever, right, to really know your strength as an actor. Where, where would you fit in well? What kind of role would you really excel in? Because you don't want to waste your time, right? Because now there's more opportunities. You know, as an actor, it's always good to, like, know what you do really, really well. And so what do you do really well? Obvious. I mean, that's kind of where the typecast thing comes in. Like, I can believably play as a cop. Uh, comedic roles. I can believably and entertainingly play comedic roles. You know, there's just a handful of things that I like going for. Uh, you know, high school douchebag bully kind of guy. Sometimes I play those roles really well. Yeah. But <laughs> there are certain things I, mean, I, shy, I shy away from. I couldn't tell you anything specifically, but there's just, I, I always look at roles on a case by case basis and it's like, okay, could I see myself doing this? But I would always say as an actor, you always want to try to find stuff that is challenging, roles that are challenging, because that's how you grow and get better though. Know what you do well, but then also keep looking for ways to like expand your horizon and make yourself better. That's so true. Yeah. And it's not just a minutes thing. It's just maybe like, hey, like this would be challenging because I'd have to really um, kind of like contort my, I'd like to become a, you know, play maybe, maybe I've never done, you know, a tragedy, you know, scenario before or something serious drama. And just maybe this would be a new kind of like step of, of a new, a new uh, step for me in terms of, uh, you know, acting on a different level. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, you're focused on minutes too, right? You're trying to get something with a lot of minutes. Isn't that always kind of important for you? I mean, in, in terms of screen time, you're talking about yeah. minutes of screen time. I mean, yes and no. Every credit that you get helps your career as an actor, big or small. Obviously, you want to try to strive to get bigger roles, if you know if that's your thing. But it also depends on the project. If you get like a one or two line role on some big network television show, that helps you. I mean, that gets you exposure. You know, and that only that builds up your career. I mean, not necessarily going for minutes, but the impact that you have. Even if you have a very small role, you can make a very big impact. I think a lot of people joke about the... Uh, you ever seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's scene in the Wolf of Wall Street. Like, he wasn't on there for maybe a couple of minutes. But, I mean, damn, he had a good impact for the movie. Yeah. So, that's kind of the way that you want to see it. Like, even if you have a small role, still try to make a big impact with everything that you do. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, well, damn, so I guess we... Uh, anyway, everyone out there in Chicago who, like, uh, you know, maybe was wondering what it's like to be an actor, well... We just had like a kind of like a crash course there. Uh, <laughs> you gotta really love it. You gotta you gotta really be passionate about it to make it work. And um, you know, I, that, it makes me appreciate film more and movies when I go see movies. To just to have understood kind of you know what it takes to to do all that. It's incredible. Um, so we'll probably close down with a couple of Chicago questions. Um, so you live uh, kind of like um, maybe like uptown Edgewater kind of area. In terms of uh, Chicago restaurants, places you like to go out, what, is, what are some of your favorite spots to go in Chicago? Yeah, in Chicago, I still have a giant list of places that I got to hit, that I want to eat at, that I want to go, you know, explore and experience. The places I've been at 
so I live in the Edgewater neighborhood, and they have uh, Moody's. Moody's is probably one of the most well-known restaurants in Edgewater. The, some people do regard them as having the best burger in Chicago. I would say it's a little far-fetched. I would say, like, top three. I've heard it as well. Someone else mentioned that. It is a phenomenal burger, but, I mean, there's so many phenomenal burgers in this city. Uh, if you go over maybe about another mile over into Andersonville, which is, like, they're our next-door neighbors of Edgewater, uh, they have this restaurant called Little Bad Wolf. Which is oh, that's the one. Uh, yeah, my friend Matt told me about that one. It's the best in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Bad Wolf. yeah, there's so many places they got just phenomenal food. But those are the two, probably the two favorites that I've had so far. And out and exploring. The uh, Lou Malnati's Pizza, also amazing. It just depends on what you have a, a taste for any given day. And every neighborhood, every block, every street has some restaurant that has like a little taste of heaven. It just depends on what you have a taste for. Yeah, definitely a great restaurant scene here. Um, have you gone out and explored random neighborhoods? Do you have like a favorite spot or kind of a getaway in Chicago? Or have you have you kind of explored Greater Chicago at all? I mean, yeah. There's I've been through a good portion of Chicago. I mean, either being on set, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily exploring, but just in my travels, you know. I've, let's see. When I was looking for apartments to come up here. I mean, I was looking at apartments in Logan Square, in Lincoln Park, in River North, in Edgewater, uh, just everywhere, everywhere. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I got a really, really good deal on my apartment in Edgewater. That's why I ended up taking it. Uh, that's a whole different uh, scenario idea there. But that's another benefit that COVID uh, gave to us last year was that mm, yeah. a lot of the more expensive places to live in Chicago became a lot cheaper. Because yeah. of the, the influx of people leaving Chicago versus the number of people that will be moving to Chicago for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the next uh, Local Voices uh, Art Walk is going to be Logan Square. We did uh, Pilsen a couple weeks ago, and it was really fun. Um, I ended up filming a, I filmed a movie in Pilsen earlier this year. It's actually a workplace comedy. Oh, yeah? I filmed in Pilsen, yeah. It's really cool, yeah. And then the, they have this massive cathedral. Like you're, like you're like, what the hell is this huge cathedral doing here? And it's like huge. It's like is kind it, of like a cool backdrop. No. Is it uh, like um, I don't want to say burned out, but yeah, it's it, still being renovated. Does yeah. it have like a skeleton? Yeah. In it, yeah. I filmed the movie there, a short, uh, late last year. Uh, one of the films that's a in my demo reel. If you ever watch my demo reel, there's a video or a scene of me and another actor sitting in a car talking. You know, it's like a, it was a dramatic. It's probably one of the more dramatic sections of my demo reel. That scene, for anybody who does watch it, it was filmed in front of that church in Pilsen. We're sitting in front of that church in Pilsen nice. that you're describing. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool area. Um, there's like three questions I have to ask because there's restaurants. There's also, you know, we're all trying to better ourselves and, and be better and have better habits. What's one of your good, healthy habits that you have? Uh, exercise. That's something that I've done for many, many years. Uh, my dad taught me how to lift when I was probably like, uh, 12, 13 years old, did it through high school, did it through college, you know, a healthy body, healthy mind, healthy life. And obviously having fun is always important, but you also want to take care of yourself first and foremost. How many times a week, like you hit the, the weights and stuff? Hit the gym, go to the gym. I would say at least three, four times and yeah. then go out and do physical activity as well. I live close to several different beaches in Chicago, so go to the beach. Uh, you know, go for a walk everywhere, especially living in Chicago. People have more of an incentive to walk, yeah, more so than drive. 
It's a huge walking town, biking town. I've, I'm listening to more podcasts here than ever before. Uh, just, you know, there's just so much more time, like walking, commuting, and it's a great opportunity as well. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's one thing to like walk in your neighborhood to go out to eat, and it's another thing to like walk the lake, like you drive or, or lakefront, and like it's a long walk, so it's good to listen to something. And so, yeah. Um, all right, last question. Who are a couple of Chicago characters who'll be fun to have on the podcast? Even if you don't know them, maybe like famous Chicago actors who are here, anyone you can just think of, two or three people. Two or three people? I mean, do they have to be actors? No, it doesn't matter. Just like cool people that I could, uh, I could be like, hey, you know, Will told me that uh, you'd be a cool person for the interview. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a few different, you know, like actors in mind. I don't know if I'd want to, they would probably wouldn't appreciate me dropping their name on like a podcast. I know, I mean, if you could ever get like Lori Lightfoot on this, that'd yep. be awesome. Lori Lightfoot. If you could oh, the mayor. Her, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lori, we'll, we'll, we'll get Lori on here. I got the mayor of Miami to, to join and, and it was great. So I think the mayor is realistic, but I'm, I'm wondering like in, uh, in terms of Chicago film scene, maybe who's like a cool name that uh, could, could be in, in the season at some point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't want to uh, try to volunteer anybody right now. Oh, dude, like, it's not like it really matters, but uh, yeah. anyway, I'll, I'll do some hunting. I mean, Cinespace is really cool, so maybe I can talk to some people there. But uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely we touched a lot of different kind of scenes. So um, it's not like an acting podcast or anything, but um, definitely it's nice to hear different perspectives. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, is it okay to call you Will? Is that, is that a nickname that you get? Or uh, Yeah, a lot of people do gravitate towards it, Will. Will Are you, you okay with that? Or... Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, shorter, you know. Um, yeah, well, thanks for sharing your perspective and helping us understand what it's like to be an actor. And yeah, I hope to see you uh, in some comedies coming up. I think that's that'd be pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you just obviously you're on a path of uh, being careful in terms of making sure that you can, you know, sustain your lifestyle. But it seems like you are. And and so I think, you know, great things come to those who love what they do and, and work hard and, and adjust and listen and. I think uh, I think you'll probably be acting for quite a while, so I uh, look forward to seeing you on screen. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, it's a it's a numbers game. It's a game of persistence. Uh, you, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, that's kind of I guess my two cents about anybody who wants to be a successful actor. First and foremost, love it, love what you do, because it's not always going to be inherently fun, but you have to find enjoyment out of even the simplest things in acting. You know, even auditioning, even if you're not in movies, if you're just trying to get a part in movies, you'll go on a hundred auditions and maybe book one or two things. So love the whole process, love the craft, you know, be adaptable, be open-minded to a lot of different things, you know, to any kind of criticism, but you know, don't try anything, take anything personally. And for sure, just, you know, consistency, keep working at it, you know, because over time you either build a reputation, hopefully it's a good one. Uh, you get to know people, you network, and you just build your business, you build your craft. Amen. All right. All right, man. Thanks for joining. Uh, have a great rest of your night. You too.